Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast we talk about baseball. 365 days a year, unless it's a leap year, and then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012. It's now the ninth day of February 2017. And I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this from Sully Baseball Studio in Palo Alto, California, the birthplace of Los Angeles Dodgers center fielder Jock Peterson, and just down the 101 from AT&T Park, the home of the San Francisco Giants. Today I'm going to be mentioning a little bit about both the Giants and the Dodgers. You know, since the Giants have moved from New York to San Francisco, they have won three World Series titles, and all of them have been this decade. And yes, I call 2010 the first year of this decade, okay? Sally, that's not really, shut up, my God. Voice in my head with a screechy voice that annoys me. Yeah, the, the, the decade began in 2010. That's the decade that I'm going, it's going from 2010 to 2019. That's 10 years. Is a decade 10 years? Fine. If you want to say the millennium began in 2001, okay, fine. 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 But do you know what? This decade began in 2010. If you say otherwise, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to throw you in a dumpster. That's all there is to it. Well, this decade, the San Francisco Giants have won three World Series titles. Now, one of the things that has been a strength in the Giants winning those three World Series titles and basically prevented them from getting to a fourth World Series last uh, October is uh, the bullpen. The bullpen shut down, stunningly shut down the Philadelphia Phillies in the league championship series because that was the series. Like, yes, they beat Texas, uh, and, and Texas was a fine team, but I think the Giants were were clearly a better team. But they, lest we forget, the Phillies began this decade saying, do you know what? We're, we're a dynasty. We've won two straight pennants, and we've added Roy Halladay to the mix. Boom. You know, they, they were ready to win three straight pennants. And then when they, okay, it was a fluke. Lincecum and company were just too good. All right, then the next year, we're getting Cliff Lee back with Halladay, with Oswald, with Hamels, and this is going to be our decade. It didn't turn out that way. It turned out to be the Giants. And the strength in their bullpen, yes, they've had superstar, you know, seasons out of Lunsicum, out of Kane, out of Madison Bumgarner, but it's the depth of that bullpen in their best years that have really been the key. And one of the things that's really spectacular, if you follow the Giants, was how they kept the bullpen together. You know, there's a lot of comparisons that you can make and you know, Yankee fans' heads will explode if I say this, but, you know, let me say it. Between the Joe Torre Yankees and the Bruce Bochy Giants, there's a lot of comparisons that you can make. They had a core to the team. They had, you know, through their three championships, there were a bunch of players who you just could always rely on were there. Um, they had several pitchers who were there all the time. Um, they had the one MVP or MVP caliber player, because Jeter never won the MVP, who, you know, took the championship in his rookie year, played, you know, wiser than his years, 
and became the leader and face of the team of multi, where it's just basically, I'm going to put up good numbers and win titles, and I know how to win. And that was Jeter. And if there's an heir to Jeter, it's Buster Posey. And if there's an, I mean, I'm sorry if that makes a Yankee fan upset, but that's just, that's the truth. And that Bochy and Tory have similar sort of steady hands and, you know, they're not going to panic. They're not going to get too high. They're not going to get too low. Bochy had more success than Tory beforehand. Because remember, Tory only took one team to the playoffs before going to the Yankees, and that was the Braves in 82. And his time with the Mets and his time with the Cardinals and the end of his time with the Braves was not really, he didn't really distinguish himself as a great manager. Bochy was a high-class manager with the Padres winning the pennant and taking him to the playoffs a bunch of times. So he was, you know, he was a he was a bigger pickup. But, you know, both are Hall of Fame managers. That's not the point. The point is they had that model of consistency. And one of the great models of consistency that the Yankees had were the reliable bullpen with many of the same faces showing up year in and year out. Wetland only was in one of the champions, but Rivera was in a bunch. Ramiro Mendoza, easy for you to say, was in a bunch. Mike Stanton was in a bunch. Uh, Graham Lloyd was in a, a couple of them. Uh, Jeff Nelson was in a bunch. You know, there were the guys who were like, yeah, this is their, these are the guys that they're going to turn to in the pen. And with that in mind, Sergio Romo, Santiago Casilla, Jeremy Affelt, and Jose Lopez, uh, sorry, Javier Lopez, were in all of the championship seasons. Every one of them. And there were a couple that, you know, like Brian Wilson was in the first one, he was injured in the, for the second one, and George Contos was in once, and Yusmero Petit was in another. But that group of Romo, Affelt, Casilla, and Lopez stuck together. Now they probably kept them together for one year too long. I felt retired, and then, you know, the bullpen, you know, Casilla just ran out of gas, and, and Romo ran out of gas, but that was a phenomenal run. That was a really phenomenal run. Now, I want to point out, first of all, I want to salute one player, and that's Javier Lopez. And Javier Lopez has four World Series rings. Four. He was a member of the 2007 Red Sox. Now, as a diehard Red Sox fan, as I am, Lopez used to drive me bananas when he was on the Red Sox. Because I always, like, uh, the only way to describe how I felt about Javier Lopez when he pitched for the Red Sox is to tell a story about watching Red Sox games as a kid with my dad and in the mid-1980s. And the Red Sox had a pitcher named Mark Clear. Mark Clear was a fine pitcher with the Angels and later with the Brewers. I guess he had a few good years with the Red Sox, but he used to drive my dad crazy. Mark Clear would come out of the bullpen, and my dad would just say, here's Mark Clear, ball one. And that would just be the first thing he would just, like, the minute he just gets in the windup, my dad would just go, ball one. Because it, it always seemed like he was pitching from behind. He was always like the first two pitches would be out of the zone. And as a reliever, you're coming in in a late-inning situation. Usually there's runners on base. And, all right, we're going to fall behind the batter. And just I just can still hear my dad, whenever Clear went into the windup to face a batter, he would just go, ball one. 
That's how I watched Javier Lopez when he pitched with the Red Sox in the 2007 season. It always seemed like ball one, and he had that weird sort of sidearm left-handed motion that it was not just ball one. It was like ball one in the dirt, and Varitek had to scoop it up. I mean, I, I, I used to joke when, because Lopez pitched for the Red Sox in the 2007, when they won the World Series in 2007, and when they made it to the ALCS in 2008, and I used to joke to my Red Sox fan friends saying, I watch Red Sox games all the time. I have no memory of Javier Lopez throwing a strike. It just seems like he's always throwing balls. And always little balls in the dirt and everything like that. And it would just drive me absolutely ape. And then he comes to the Giants and becomes this absolute master of control. When the Giants picked him up in the 2010 stretch run, and I was rooting for the Giants to go well, because the Red Sox were going nowhere in a hurry that year, I was like, oh, God, i got to watch more of him. But he became this super effective pitcher. I don't know what happened. I don't know what Dave Rigetti whispered into his ear or anything like that. But it, it worked out, and he became really effective in that in that postseason and in and in, in all those in all the postseasons. He was just this weapon. He was a weapon. We need to get one left-hander out. We got the guy who's going to get him out. Boom, boom, boom. And as for someone who's, you know, I'm a Red Sox fan first and foremost, but my favorite national team is the Giants. Here's a guy who's won a World Series with the Giants and the Red Sox. That's pretty cool. It's pretty freaking cool. And the fact that he won four World Series rings. Now stop and think about how many players go to the Hall of Fame with none. Ted Williams won none. Ty Cobb won none. Kari Stremski won none. Ernie Banks won none. Billy Williams won none. You know, Juan Marichal didn't win one. Willie McCovey didn't win one. You think about these great players who just gave it their all for all these years and just fell short, or even the players who had, like, horrible luck, like people like Dale Murphy or Terry Pendleton or Don Mattingly, you know, or Bobby Mercer, players who played on teams that won championships, but they just were, they just missed it. They just missed it. You know, and that's, in you know, when you see when a, a, a team wins the World Series, it's always something I always look for, is the player who is a veteran, and this is their first one. And that great moment of, I, I never have to wonder if I'm ever going to be a world champion again. In the Giants' last title, when they won in 2014, a bunch of those players had won a bunch of rings already. But Tim Hudson, who had a really underrated career in Oakland and in Atlanta, and had pitched, for, you know, pitched his heart out year in and year out, I remember when he won on that team, and there was a bunch of players, Sandoval won another one, Linsicum won another one, all these players who are just, you know, seemed to be, oh, yes, just another ring for them. But you saw what it meant to Tim Hudson that he got that off the schneid. He got that off of his chest. 
You know, when the Royals won, there are some players like Cueto and like Ben Zobrist who would win another one the next year. You just saw what it meant that, yeah, I got this ring now. And for some of the, they must look at someone like Lopez and think, holy Toledo. How many does, I mean, where do you even, do you wear them all? So I want to give a salute to him as he's retiring and he's going back home. And I hope Giant fans give him a salute too. Four rings. Now think about four rings equals the total won by Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, and Roberto Clemente combined. They combined for four rings, and that's what Javier Lopez did. And that's a wonderful achievement for Javier Lopez, but it's also, it goes to show when someone tries to point at someone's world championship resume as a, as the goal, as the end-all, be-all of someone's worth as a player. Yeah, how many rings, though? How many rings? Well, Javier Lopez has four. You know? I think that that doesn't necessarily mean he is the same quality of Henry Aaron, Willie Mays, and Roberto Clemente combined. Now, there are two other pitchers from those great Giants bullpen whose names are in the news. Um, Sergio Romo is going to go to the Dodgers. And I was having an exchange with Pete Mummert of the Indiana Jones Minute podcast, which I'll be a guest on again. He's a big Giants fan. And he said, I don't know what to think about Sergio Romo going to the Dodgers. As if to say, you know, I don't know what to think about him. I don't know what to think about it emotionally. And I, I just shrug and say, what is there to think about? You say, good luck, Sergio. You salute him and see him on his way. And I've, I've done that as I've seen many, many Red Sox who have won a World Series ring wind up putting on a Yankee uniform. Johnny Damon, Derek Lowe, Doug Mankiewicz, Jacoby Ellsbury, Mark Bellhorn, Alan Embry. That's just off the top of my head. Kevin Euclid, a bunch of players who won championships with the Red Sox, eventually wore a Yankee uniform. Do I look down upon any of them? Of course I don't. What about Johnny Damon and, and Jacoby Osprey? Did he betray? Shut up. Just shut up. You know? They won a title for your team. And think about this if you're a Giant fan. Let's say Sergio goes to Los Angeles. and looks like that's what's happening. Wouldn't you rather have the Sergio Romo closing out the World Series, doing a dance on the mound after striking out Miguel Cabrera. You have that Sergio Romo. And the Dodgers are getting the getting old, not quite as effective Sergio Romo, who wound up losing his closer job a couple of times. Seriously, which one would you rather have? You know, it's the fact of the matter is, when you have wanted a title all these years, and you get it, you say thank you to the people who contributed to the title, and you don't get nitpicky about, oh, but later he played for the team I didn't like. Fine. Johnny Damon wound up winning a ring with the freaking Yankees. But I'm all right with it. 
for two reasons. He helped beat the Yankees in 2004 with those two big home runs and gave us the championship we've been waiting our whole lives for, and the Red Sox have won more recently than the Yankees. The Giants have won three World Series this decade. They've won three World Series since the inauguration of Barack Obama. And the Dodgers haven't even been to a World Series since Ronald Reagan was president. So you, 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 you have the upper hand. If he goes there, that's fine. Although there's one thing that's interesting. That since the Giants have moved here from California, three or two of the three pitchers who have thrown the clinching pitch of a World Series have gone on, or clinching pitch of World Series for the Giants, have gone on for the Dodgers. Sergio Romo is the latest one. He clinched the 2012 World Series. And the first one was, of course, Brian Wilson, 2010. The other World Series was clinched by Madison Bumgarner. Now, if he goes to the Dodgers, yeah, I could see that being a little upsetting. But Brian Wilson's in the news, too. Brian Wilson's trying to be a knuckleballer. Did you hear that? Brian Wilson has shaved his beard, so he no longer looks like one of the women in Monty Python's Life of Brian who wanted to go to the stoning. Nice up-to-date reference there, Sullivan. And he is now, you know, he's been out of the game for a few years, and he's trying to develop a knuckleball. And I'm, I'm all for it. I want it to be, I, I want it to be a success. I want Brian Wilson back in the league because I think Brian Wilson is good for baseball. I think having a guy who's a goof, who is funny, who has an offbeat personality, an offbeat sense of humor, kind of a Zach Galifianakis on the mound, I think that's good for baseball. It's funny. It makes baseball fun. He was a fun presence when he played for the Giants. His beard got bananas. His off-field you know, off interviews were hilarious. It was great, and that he brought the goods. You, know, you have to bring the goods, too. It's not enough that you have a big beard and you're funny, that he could actually come out and shut down the opposition the way that he did in his prime. If he could do that with a knuckleball, great. I've always loved the idea of a relief pitcher as a knuckleballer. Hoyt Williams in the damn Hall of Fame as a relief pitcher with a knuckleball. Imagine if you have a good knuckler, and if you could come out of the pen, that you know, a knuckleball screws up your timing. And if you've been seeing someone go stonk, 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 throwing these pitches at 90-some-odd miles an hour, then you have a guy who's this thing floating up there, your timing would be all messed up. And that ain't bad. Now, where is he going to go? Is he going go to the Giants? Is he going to the Dodgers? I don't know. Maybe this is why we have the Diamondbacks or the Padres, to give someone like him a shot. But, yeah, I'd like to see that. I'd like to see Brian Wilson back in the game as a knuckleball pitcher because why not? Why not? It's so weird to have a knuckleballer. Why not have it be Brian Wilson doing the throwing? And maybe come back to the Giants. It'd be good for baseball to have that. We need funny personalities. We need good personalities. And we need those who have walked the walk. Brian Wilson has two rings. No, he's not quite at Javier Lopez level, of course. But it's still pretty dang good. So I'm rooting for you, Brian Wilson. Absolutely. 
Baseball needs you back in the pen. Whether it's a knuckleballer and now clean shaven, it's still pretty cool. So, it's going to be an interesting year as the Giants have rebuilt their bullpen and the, you know, they squeezed all the life out of that great bullpen run and squeezed three rings out of it. And now we'll see if a new rebuilt bullpen will make them win in an odd year. That would be odd, wouldn't it? Anyway, let's face it. If they held on to that lead against the Cubs and Johnny Cueto won in Wrigley Field, which is a distinct possibility, that whole even-year thing, it would start to get you, wouldn't it? You'd start to think, maybe there is something to this. But what there is definitely something to is the fact that I'm going to do a podcast every single day. So go to sullybaseball.com, like that on Facebook, subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram, I'm everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. This has been the Solid Baseball Daily Podcast for the 9th day of February. Sorry, the 9th day of February 2017. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sullivan.